All right, hello, welcome to From Every Tribe. My name is Jordan, and I'm going to be kind of taking a different approach. I'm testing something right now. Uh, yep, that seems to be working. Yeah, it seems to be working just fine. Uh, before, in the previous episodes, I had kind of taken more of a very careful approach at how I did these, how I did these episodes and what I would do is I would speak for a certain amount of time and then press pause and then have and then like that be a separate recording and then I record again then have that be a separate recording and it would just be a couple of minutes accumulated all together in one episode I don't really want to do that I want to try and be fluid I guess is the word be kind of flow <laughs> um, flow with it I guess I don't I don't know um, I'm gonna try and be fluid with this and just do it all in one take so what that probably means is you're gonna have to bear with me I'm going to speak incorrectly I'm going to hesitate I'm going to make mistakes uh, at some points I might stop speaking English uh, you know it, it, who, who knows who knows I certainly don't I certainly don't know uh, something this is just a quick cool story I went into uh, bookstore I love to go to half price books uh, yesterday and I always go straight to the Christian section the Christian theology section they, they have a couple of them but there's only really one aisle that actually gets deep into like the uh, deep theological books that you'll find there there's like a Christian fiction section which coincidentally and correctly enough is where you find all your Joel Osteen and Joyce Meyer stuff there uh, that's all in the Christian fiction section Thankfully, thankfully so. But I walked into the uh, theology section. I'm going to be walking around, so I apologize for any weird sounds that happen. I'm looking at my shelf right now, and I found a book, a very big book. <laughs> um, and just a preface, I never see Lutheran stuff there in the book. I, I see plenty of I see plenty of Roman Catholic stuff. I see plenty of Reform stuff. You know, there's a popular denomination, things like that. I rarely ever see Lutheran books there. It's shocking. I found one Lutheran work there, and it's not popular. Um, it's a commentary. It's a commentary on Ephesians, and it was published by Concordia Publishing House, I believe. And I found that book there two months ago, and it's still there on the shelf. It is still there, and I'm very upset about that. But I walked in to the uh, I, I walked into the uh, aisle where all the Christian stuff was, and the first book that catches my eye is this really, really, really thick book. It's called. The Confessional Principle and the Confessions of the Lutheran Church by Theodore E. Schmack and C. Theodore Benzie. I think that's how you pronounce it. B-E-N-Z-E. -E. So, I bought that. Um, I opened it up and I saw that it goes into detail of why we even have confessions in the first place and things like that. And I'm like, oh, well, this is amazing. I absolutely would love to have something like that. And so I bought that. I know nothing about it. I tried to do a research of it on Amazon. The book apparently just doesn't exist on Amazon, which is really interesting to me. But yeah, I just wanted to share that. If anyone has any information about that book, uh, please let me know. I'm very happy to have it though.
but that is besides the purpose of this episode. We are delving into the final. Uh, for now, at some point, I'm going to possibly expand and go through the rest of Luther's small catechism. But for now, um, we're going to be moving on to other stuff starting next week. I'm still not exactly sure what said other stuff is going to be, but in this episode we are going to be looking at what is called the sacrament of the altar. The sacrament of the altar. I'm going to... The the reason why I'm trying to do a more free-flowing kind of approach to these podcasts is just to kind of get some experience in speaking, being able to think on the spot and just kind of improvise with my speaking not say um, in between every one of my sentences just to try and get some experience in that and so I'm going to try and flow through this as best as I possibly can and so we are looking at the sacrament of the altar in Luther's small catechism I have it right in front of me here let's adjust that Okay, Sacrament of the Altar. Luther begins the same way he has every other thing that we've looked at and every other thing that he goes into in the small catechism. He starts off as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to his household. Again, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, Baptism, Sacrament of the Altar, Prayer, Confessions, Lord's Prayer, all of it. Common laymen should know these things. We should know it by heart. We should be able to explain it. We should be able to expound upon it. We should be able to defend it. We should know what we believe and why we believe it down to the very children in households. And he believes that the fathers should be instructing his household, not just the pastors doing it once a week whenever you take everyone to church. There's a real responsibility for the head of the house, the husband, to be instructing his household in theology that is certainly present with Martin Luther. And I think it's a good thing to keep in mind as we look through the small catechism because it is written specifically for not just pastors, not just pastors but for laymen and children alike. And so the first question that he asked is, what is the sacrament of the altar? And the answer to that question is, it is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine, instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. And so it is the true body and blood. It is the very same body and blood that was present here on earth 2,000 years ago in Israel coming out of Galilee being baptized by John the same flesh that walked on water the, the, the same body and blood that walked on water the same body and blood that was beaten and tortured and crucified on the cross and died and was raised again that very same body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is present under the bread and wine. This is extremely important to recognize because that is a very crucial foundational difference that we have with the Roman Catholics, uh, Lutherans, 
I myself have been uh, I myself have been identified as multiple things by other people, but not Lutherans. It really, for some reason, seems like Lutheranism is it, certainly present, but it just doesn't seem to be on the uh, on there. It doesn't seem to be a talking point. Lutheranism seems to be something that not a lot of people actually know about. And so whenever a Lutheran talks about Jesus Christ being truly present in the uh, under the bread and wine, which is what the language Luther uses, you could say in, with, and under the bread and wine, which is what Adolf Hennecke's systematic theology goes into. He says in, with, under the bread and wine. They're correct. What we're saying is, what we're not saying is that it, it, what we're not saying is that the bread and wine change into the body and blood. That is not what we're saying. That's what the Roman, that's what a Roman Catholic would say. What we're saying is that it's still bread and wine. It's still fully, completely, 100% bread and wine. It doesn't lose any of, Bread, the bread and wine is still 100% bread and wine. The the thing that makes bread and wine bread and wine, it's still there. It's not gone. Nothing's changed with the bread and wine. We're simply saying that just as it is truly bread and wine, it is also truly Jesus Christ's body and blood. The same one that was present here on earth, that was seen, that was felt, that was... Uh, heard Jesus's voice, the same, the it's the same thing. The same one that was present here 2,000 years ago is the same thing, the same one that is present in, under, and with the bread and wine. And so we continue. It says that this very sacrament was instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and, and to drink. That's this is very important. So there's a key, there's a crucial difference between what we have with the sacrament of baptism and what we have with the sacrament of the altar. And one key difference is who should be the recipients of those sacraments. Jesus, when we look, when we looked at uh, baptism last week, Jesus instituted baptism to be brought out into all of the nations, all of the world, and to be administered to all of the nations, all of the world, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we see that baptism is an effectual means of the giving of God's saving grace and faith to unbelievers. That baptism is to be administered to everyone. If you're an unbeliever, get baptized and you'll be brought into the kingdom of God. If you're a believer and you haven't been baptized yet, well then receive the very institution of death and death and resurrection with Christ in your in baptism. You both believers and unbelievers should be receiving the sacrament of baptism only one time in their life. So those that's that's a so that that, that that's baptism. But then when we come over here to the sacrament of the altar, the sacrament of the altar is specifically given only to Christians. 
unbelievers should not be partaking, which is why many churches, okay, the correct way, <laughs> in, in my opinion, the correct way to go about handling the Lord's Supper with unbelievers is telling them, don't partake. You, you are not allowed to partake, to essentially guard the table, guard the altar. Only believers, only confessing believers are allowed to partake of this sacrament, specifically because Jesus, in instituting the sacrament, says in his very words that it is only for believing people who receive Jesus Christ by faith. And we will look at that as we continue to go on. So that's the first question. Let's recap. What is the sacrament of the altar? The answer. It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. And let me add one more difference between baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism should only be administered one time in your life, whether you're an unbeliever or a believer, whatever it may be. If you're baptized, do not get baptized again. Don't do it. Trust God's word in your baptism that you have received, even when you were an infant, even when you don't remember it at all. Trust God's word in your baptism, which is you have been buried and raised with Christ to new life. That is God's word. That's God's promise to you that he gave to you in baptism. Trust it and believe it and accept that. And so then don't get baptized again because God's word will never pass away. It will never be invalidated. And so his word of you being now in his kingdom is valid all through the rest of your life. There is no need for you to get baptized again. Baptism should only be administered one time. The Lord's Supper, however is to be administered when you gather together in Christ's name. Every time. When you gather together in Christ's name and worship and praise to him, administer the sacrament. And we will be looking at that as we continue to go. So, difference. Baptism, one time in your life. Uh, sacrament of the altar. Continually, all through your life, for the forgiveness of sins. And so... The question now is, where is this written? And Martin Luther's answer is, the holy evangelists Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance, in remembrance of me. So if we back up to the beginning of that, where is this written? The Holy Evangelist Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul. So not... John, the Apostle John does not have a recounting of the uh, administration of the sacrament of the altar in his gospel. He doesn't have it. He has a recounting of the supper. He does. It's there. There's just no administration of, there's no accounting of the administration of the sacrament there in uh, the Apostle John's gospel. We do have the uh, Apostle John giving us a account of 
Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We have that, which is not found in any of the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not found there. Uh, the washing of the feet, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And we have that conversation between Jesus and Peter. Um, and Peter basically kind of rebukes Jesus who said, you wash my feet? How could you wash my feet? And then Jesus says to him, if I don't, if I don't do this, you're lost. <laughs> and so then Peter just real, okay, well then wash my head, wash my head then too. You know, don't just wash my feet, wash my head then too. And so we have that accounting in the apostle John's gospel. It's not in any of the other Gospels, so you won't find a recounting of this sacrament there. You do find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul. St. Paul, uh, that account is not necessarily a narrative account. It's more so a recounting of the narrative. He's not trying to make up his own narrative. You'll find St. Paul's account, in, uh, or rather his recounting, St. Paul was not a witness of this, so he's recounting what has been given to him by the uh, actual apostles who were actually there in 1 Corinthians 11. And the text that is found is, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to, his, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There's a couple of differences between the accounts. Uh, this text, I believe, that specific text that I quoted, I I didn't quote, I, re I read it. <laughs> I read it from the small catechism. Um, that particular text, though, I do believe is the 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, there's a couple of differences between the recountings. Um, if you recall the, uh, behold, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until something to, uh, I don't remember the rest of the quote, but I think you understand what I'm saying. The, there's a difference in where that is actually said. If it's before the administration of the sacrament, if it's after the administration of the sacrament, things like that. I believe one of the accounts actually doesn't mention necessarily the forgiveness of sins. I know for a fact, Luke mentions the forgiveness of sins, um, in my blood for the forgiveness of sins, that phrase for the forgiveness of sins. Um, I could be wrong there. There's a couple of differences between the accounts, but Jesus Christ's words is still very clear here of what exactly the sacrament is, what it does, who it is to be administered to. Who is it to be administered to? We said that it is only given to Christians, to believers. And that is said in the phrase, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This is for you do this in remembrance of me. And so it is for the Christians. It is for the disciples of Jesus Christ to do in remembrance of him. And he says the very same thing um, down when he's talking about the blood. Drink of it, all of you, the Christians, the disciples of Jesus. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do, he's, he's commanding the his disciples specifically to do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
So it's very clear. The sacrament forgives sins. Jesus Christ's body and his blood, his blood, is blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And so when you receive his blood that forgives sins, his, his, uh, how could you say it? His, no, that, that's sufficient. <laughs> like I said, I'm going to mess up here and there. Um, when you receive his forgiving blood, his blood that forgives sins, when you receive that in yourself by faith, your sins are forgiven. And so that's very clear in the administration of the sacrament. And we continue on. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? So we have what is the sacrament of the altar? We have where it's accounted. And now the question is, what does it do? What's the purpose? What is the, uh, what's the benefit of receiving this sacrament? What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? Martin Luther's answer is these words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins shows us that in the sacrament forgiveness of sins life and salvation are given us through these words for where there is forgiveness of sins there is also life and salvation something to recognize that Lutherans, not everyone believes this, but I'm not going to talk about other people, but just for Lutherans, forgiveness of sins is something that we as Christians continually receive. We continually receive it, not on the basis of things that we do, not on the basis that uh, I, I went and uh, fed some homeless people today, and so therefore since I went and did that, I as a Christian have received forgiveness of sins or something like that. That's not true. We continually receive the forgiveness of sins solely by God's grace. And in, and in this sacrament, Jesus is graciously administering to us an act. A, uh, he, he's giving us his sacrament. That when we receive that sacrament, when we receive what Jesus Christ gives to us graciously, solely by his grace, we receive the forgiveness of sins. And we see that forgiveness of sins is tethered to receiving Jesus Christ by faith, which is what we have always believed. Faith alone. It is solely by faith that we are saved. And Jesus Christ gives the forgiveness of sins through the eating and drinking of his body and blood to the Christians to say, yes, here, you are forgiven of your sins. And we, continual, we continually receive that forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ by faith. And we will be getting into the whole condition there, which is by faith. You receive the forgiveness of sins when you have faith in Jesus Christ in your receiving of this sacrament. And so Martin Luther continues, how can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? This is going to be very similar to what we saw in the baptism uh, when we looked at uh, baptism. If we recall, not just water. Water, how can water do such great things? Not, not simply water. It's the word of God in and with the water that does these things. And we see a direct parallel in this sacrament as well. The question is, how can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? The, the answer, 
Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. And so, could a could an unbeliever just walk up to the altar and, you know, may, maybe he's been going to church for a while and his church has allowed him, he's, he's become a member of the church. And his church, allowed, let's take a Lutheran church, for example, you know, someone, he's an unbeliever, but he becomes a member of the church, you know, he gets all the questions... He does his interviews with his uh, pastors and things like that, and he makes it through, and he's administered as a uh, as a member of the church now. And he goes up to the altar, not a believer, and he receives the uh, he receives the sacrament of the altar. He receives the sacrament of the altar. Does he receive the forgiveness of sins? And the answer is no, he does not. Because he rejects Jesus Christ. He does not believe in Jesus Christ. And so the benefits of this sacrament is not given to him. It is rather to his condemnation that he eats and drinks because he does not believe in Jesus Christ. In receiving Jesus Christ orally, he rejects Jesus Christ spiritually and in his heart, and that is to his condemnation. Forgiveness of sins is given to believers in this sacrament. You receive Jesus Christ's body and blood by faith, not just by your mouth, but you do it by faith, and that is where the forgiveness comes from. You reject Jesus Christ and do not believe in him and what he has said, and you do not believe in his words, therefore, that forgiveness of sins is administered in the sacrament, you reject that, then you don't receive the forgiveness of sins. In the sacraments, the sacraments are in no way, shape, or form disconnected from the reality that faith is the only thing that makes us righteous in God's sight. And the reason why is because it is only by faith that we receive the very righteousness of Christ and Jesus Christ's forgiveness of sins that he freely gives to us by faith. And faith is the only... <coughs> excuse me, sorry. And faith is the only thing that receives that. Faith is the only thing that receives God's grace. Faith is the only thing that receives the forgiveness of sins. And so, if you do not have faith and you don't receive Jesus Christ by faith, and then receiving him by mouth does nothing. It, you receive it to your condemnation. But the point is, there is no disconnection between the doctrine of faith alone and the belief that you are forgiven of your sins in the sacraments. You are. And the reason why is because in the sacraments, when you receive God's word, and when you receive his pronouncements of forgiveness of sins, you are actually receiving that by faith.
the only real difference that we may have with someone else who rejects that there is forgiveness of sins given in the sacrament is the idea that we only receive the forgiveness of sins one time in our life. When you, when you become a believer, and that's it, all your sins are forgiven, and you've received God's grace, and so you never receive God's grace again, you never receive the forgiveness of sins again, and then there you go, done deal. Now with Lutherans, no, we believe that we continually receive God's forgiveness of sins, and the receiving of God's word and sacraments by faith. But that's the whole point. It is by faith, doing it by ear and doing it by mouth. Receiving God's word by your ear and receiving God's sacraments by your mouth does not do anything. If you reject them, if you do not have faith in what Jesus Christ has said about the very sacraments that he has administered, then you do not receive the forgiveness of sins. You receive condemnation in your sins because you are receiving Jesus Christ orally, not in your heart, not spiritually. You are ultimately rejecting his words. And we are going to see that next in the very next question who receives this sacrament worthily fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training but that person is truly worthy and well prepared who has faith in these words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins but anyone who does not believe these words or doubts them is unworthy and unprepared. For the words for you require all hearts to believe. So there is a, there, there is a, it's, it, you must receive the sacrament worthily. You must be worthy to receive the sacrament. How are you worthy? How are you worthy? You have faith in what Jesus Christ has actually said in the administration of the sacraments. The sacraments and Jesus Christ's very words, the sacraments and God's words, the sacraments and salvation by faith alone, they're all tied together. There is no breaking apart or separation of, of any of those things. The reason why we received the forgiveness of sins in the sacraments in specifically the sacrament of the altar is because we believe what Jesus Christ has said. When Jesus Christ says, this is my body, this is my blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins, we as believers in Jesus Christ believe that. We actually believe that. We trust it and we have put our faith in Jesus Christ that what Jesus Christ has said is true and what Jesus Christ has done is also true and his righteousness that he gives to us actually saves us from our sins we trust that and so therefore we receive Jesus Christ forgiveness of sins and his sacraments that he administered for the forgiveness of sins worthily those who reject Jesus Christ's words his words for the forgiveness of sins. This is for you for the forgiveness of sins. Those who reject Jesus Christ and reject those words and say, I do not believe, I do not believe what Jesus Christ has said, and I do not believe in what he has done, whether you do that publicly or privately. If you receive that sacrament, you are receiving it in an unworthy manner. 
And so let's just recap what it says. Um, but that person is truly worthy and well prepared who has faith in these words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. But anyone who does not believe these words or doubt, but does not believe these words or doubts them is unworthy and unprepared for the words for you require all hearts to believe. Jesus Christ has given this sacrament to us. It is given for you, for us, for the forgiveness of sins, for his own people who believe in him, who have repented of their sins. And who recognize that they are sinners and that they need Jesus Christ's forgiveness of sins. And they believe that it is found in the sacrament of the altar. Real quickly, I'm going to grab my Bible real quick. First uh, Corinthians 11, I wanted to address this text just to show because Martin Luther didn't actually address this particular tech. I'm sure he did in the large catechism, uh, but the small catechism, however, he does not reference this text, but it is important when it comes to receiving Jesus Christ's sacrament unworthily, just to give some biblical support for the idea that you do not have forgiveness of sins when you receive it in an unworthy manner, when you reject Jesus Christ, when you reject what he says, you do not receive the forgiveness of sins. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse, um, what is it? Um, okay, I'm going to start at verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, <clears throat> excuse me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this blood, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here's the key passage. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so there's a reality that the receiving of Jesus Christ's sacrament of the altar does not immediately mean that you have received the forgiveness of sins. The way you know that you've received the forgiveness of sins when you receive the sacrament of the altar is if you actually believe what Jesus has said. When you trust in him, when you believe in him and all that he has said. Essentially, if you are a believer, if you are a believer, then you are worthy to receive. There is a there's a little bit of and it's not that black and white. There's a little bit of a gray area. And here's the gray area in the small catechism. But anyone who does not believe these words or doubts them is unworthy and unprepared. 
Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, is the statement that a man once gave to Jesus when he doubted that Jesus was actually able to heal his child. We all Christians struggle with doubt. We all do, at some point or another. If you find yourself doubting what Jesus actually says in the sacrament, then just put off receiving and go talk to your pastors. Don't receive it because you feel like you have to. That's not the point of the sacrament. Don't receive it because you feel like all eyes are on you, and if you just one Sunday don't go up and don't receive it, then you're somehow just becoming an unbeliever and you hate Jesus or anything like that. No, that's obviously not the case. There are genuine, real believers. I would argue every every real, genuine believer goes through this. Doubts. And so if you are in a place where you are having struggles, you are doubting what God's Word says, then just be honest with that, recognize that, and recognize that there is a a real thing that must be taken into consideration of unworthily receiving the sacrament of the altar. And so if you're doubting what Jesus Christ's word says, don't beat yourself up for it. Just refute, just refrain, refrain for a Sunday and go tell your pastors, Hey, I am struggling. Help me, help me do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Paul says to do it in <laughs> the apostle Paul says to do just that discern, examine yourself so that you eat and drink of the body word, uh, eat and drink of the body and blood worldly. Do that. Examine yourself. Every time you go up to the altar, ask yourself, should I be doing this? Am I worthy? Do I believe what Jesus Christ actually has said? I remember when I first started learning about Lutheranism, this was one of the the, the main things that really challenged me and the first thing that came to accept were the sac were the sacraments specifically the sacrament of the altar that was the first thing i accepted before any pretty much anything else the sacrament of the altar and it's certainly for me one of the most influential amazing beautiful doctrines for me and I remember I was speaking to an old pastor of mine. He's not my pastor anymore. He's been called to a new church. He was called to a new church a while ago. Um, he wasn't officially our pastor. He was just helping out. Um, but he was a pastor. And he told me that the context of 1 Corinthians 11 is within the context of a church that is unworthily receiving the sacrament specifically because they are dividing the body of Christ, the church. They are splitting up. They are meeting in two different places, the rich and the, uh, the, the more well-off of the believers are getting together in an upper, in an upper room and they are just gouging themselves. They're just gorging and they're getting drunk. Whereas others who are in a separate room doing this separately from everybody else can barely get anything to eat or drink. That is a fundamental 
denial of what Jesus Christ says. This is for you, believers. And so when you break that up, you are denying and rejecting what Jesus Christ says in the sacrament, which is what Martin Luther says in his small catechism. The worthy are the ones who accept and believe what Jesus Christ says. The Corinthian church at this time, they were not. They were not administering the sacraments correctly. They were not receiving it worthily because they broke up the church of God. They had this group over here getting drunk and gorging themselves, and they had this group over here not hardly getting anything to eat or drink at all. Breaking it up. And that is a fundamental denial of what the church even is. And also a denial of the very purpose and reason for the sacrament of the altar. And so finally, for believers, for you, the Christian, you can know that you have the forgiveness of sins because you have been baptized and God's word says, you are buried and raised with Christ to new life in your baptism. And that faith is a gift from God. And you can know that you've received that gift because God's word says you have in your baptism. And then Jesus says to you, the believer, take, eat. This is my body. Take, drink. This is my blood for you for the forgiveness of sins. Eat and drink. And so we have confidence. We have trust that Jesus Christ's word is true. We believe in him, all that he has said, and all that he has done. And so let us continue as we go to church tomorrow to continue to remember that the only reason why we are saved from our sins is specifically because God has chosen to save you from your sins. He has given you his grace. He has gifted you with the washing, rebirth, renewal of the Holy Spirit. And now at the altar where all of us come together as one body with one head having been baptized by one baptism, one Lord Jesus Christ, we all come together to receive the one body and blood of Jesus Christ for the very same forgiveness of sins. And we receive that not just by ourselves, but we receive that together. The very forgiveness that is given to you in this sacrament is the very same forgiveness that all of your brothers and sisters in Christ are receiving together with you not as just a merely individual act this is my relationship with God and that's it no it is you all coming together as Jesus Christ very body his church and you are coming together to receive the forgiveness of sins and the promise of it found in the sacrament of the altar 
receiving Jesus Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I greatly appreciate all the support that I've received from following me on Facebook and Instagram and everything like that. Thank you very much for listening. Um, the small catechism is going to be put on hold, I suppose. Maybe I'll come back to it and do other portions of it. But you should expect here soon me going into different topics rather than just continually doing studies of Lutheran theology. That's certainly not what I want to just only do. I certainly will continue to do that here and there, but that's not the only thing I want to focus on. We'll be getting into other things. Uh, that'll be exciting. I have a couple of ideas. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. Hopefully I'll know before next week comes and I won't just be scrounging to get something out. So, But thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate all the support. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at From Every Tribe. And God bless. Hope you all have a great church service tomorrow. Good, good night.